nature is a wonderful thing. It keeps dreaming up ways through the process of evolution or if it's solving problems in biology, ways to make you healthy, ways to thrive in the environment. How amazing it is, the number of ways that nature can make you suffer and the variety of medical complaints seems to be almost infinite. What are you going to do about it? Well, there's a vast collection of illnesses and yet there's a vast connection of cures. How do you know what they are? How do you find them? And if you're the creator of one of these innovations, how do you get them out there? How do you get funding and how do you get them into the marketplace? Well, today it's a great pleasure and a privilege to meet uh, two people from a local Canberra startup, Health Horizon, and Dr. Matthew McGann. Good morning, Matthew. Hello, good morning. And Coco Ho. Good morning, Coco. Good morning. Uh, now, I just want to take you back, Matthew, because you, know, you, I believe, are one of the co-founders of Health Horizon. Yep. Can you describe the moment when you got this idea, you were sitting somewhere with somebody, thinking something, and the idea came to you? What was that moment? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a, a flash of inspiration, but actually the story goes back to when I was probably nine years old. Um, I remember being a kid, and you know, as kids do, I wanted to prove that I could be a bit of an adult, so I forced myself to watch the news for half an hour. And I sat down and I said, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to understand what's going on. And, you know, it was dreadfully boring, but I, I watched it through. And I remember at the end there was a, a story. There was sort of doctors there with test tubes and that kind of thing. And it said uh, that the, the... So I was 10 years old, so that's 1994. They were saying uh, this local university, the University of Wollongong, have discovered this new chemical and this might lead to a cure for Parkinson's uh, no it's cancer, this might treat cancer and it could be available in 10 years and uh, I thought my half an hour in front of the news had paid off I was like why don't people watch the news more often so I ran to the back room to my mum and I said mum you'll never guess they're, there's this new drug they found and they're, they're going to cure cancer in 10 years and my mum said oh uh, yeah they just say that, don't worry about that uh, they say these things all the time and of course to a 9 year old it's a bit you know, why would they say that if it's not true? You know, what what is going to happen with all this stuff? And I kind of forgot about that. And then later, I met my co-founder, and he was working in the uh, in hospitals to help commercialize or um, spread as like nonprofits the the things that doctors and nurses came up with. And uh, he talked about this, and it took me back to you know, it seems so simple that these things make progress, and surely you'd want to be able to find when they got into trials and when they came available so I thought you know wouldn't it be best if there was just a button that you could click that just said click this and that drug you heard about you will know what it does next you'll know when it goes into trials when it comes available um, and uh, that's what we set out to build. Oh, the world is a whole lot more complicated. Isn't that just so mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, you have a sense of curiosity, the sense of wanting to solve a problem, the sense that maybe that you could be part of it. When did that emerge? Uh, the, I guess I started getting into... So I, I was actually doing a PhD at ANU and I was going to be an academic. Um, but then I got involved in similar things that Coco did, um, like the Innovation ACT competition at ANU, and I, was, I did not, this government program called the Commercialization Training Scheme that was around for a little while, and that made me convinced that I could actually contribute 
to the world. I could do something. And so I, I, I floated with that for many years. And I, only after I met my co-founder, Marcus, who's had experience making businesses like this in the past, did I think, okay, yeah, let's leave academia and let's um, try and do something. And maybe I can be the one to actually make it happen. Just give it a go. Now, now, Coco, you got involved with Health Horizon. Somewhere, sometime, you, you, you learnt about Health Horizon. And how did that happen? So um, I came to Australia around 11 years ago, you know, did my two degrees on social sciences, a, a bit of international relations, um, social sciences, and things like that. And then after that, I worked for Anglicare Australia, um, because I'm really interested in the human conditions and you know how to help people and that kind of thing. So that's really my major interest in what I want to do. That's my very first job. Um, and then after doing it for a while, I got involved um, in Innovation ACT, which is a Canberra-wide um, innovation program for mainly university students to help them realise their ideas by providing them with, you know, innovation, entrepreneurship, um, education. So I went into that with a different idea. Um, but that really gets me thinking, like, you know, I don't really need to work a nine to five forever. Like, you know, there's actually something out there that allow me to do something cool and actually make a difference in the world. So I quit my job at Anglicare and yeah, because I know all these people from the program, um, and yeah, Marcus one day just approached me and say, you know, Coco, let's, you know, grab a coffee. If you're interested in what we do, we can, yeah, talk about it. And yeah, maybe you can help us out doing something cool. So there, so, there, yeah. there's something about innovation that appeals to you. Um, something the, it, it's inherently a risky thing, but there's the, there's the creative side of of it. Is that something that you really appeal to you with um, Health Horizon? So. The thing that appeals to me about Health Horizon is that it is a very important area of life, like health should affect everyone. But at the moment, very often we are, the conversation is being dominated by doctors and professionals, like because they are, you know, superior, right? You are sick, so you go to the hospital, no, go to the It's clinic. a power relationship. Yeah, it's a power relationship. Yeah. So it shouldn't be like that. Health should affect everyone and everyone should know more about health themselves rather than being dominated. The conversation shouldn't be dominated by the professionals. So I think this is a really meaningful way to, you know, open the door, um, open the door of health innovations and information to the public so people can actually get access to it. The risk question is interesting because you talked about risk and innovation. Um, I remember that in one of, the, one of the first people I met in this innovation space I mentioned the risk thing, and he said to me, uh, well, what's the real risk, that you uh, do it and fail, or that what, what's the risk of not doing it all and regretting it? So that was um, the, the, the question. People, people consider innovation to be a risk because you're moving away from the nine to five, but um, there, there's a risk that you've taken that you'll be stuck in the nine to five forever if you don't. Well, the, the saying goes that the person who never got lost is the person who never went anywhere. Right, yeah. Okay. And you could spend your life sitting on the couch watching television and die of bed sores. But how, how interesting is that? All the interesting things happen when people try something new. 
Yep. <laughs> so no, everyone no, do that. Yeah. In in some ways, are you challenging um, an orthodoxy? Are you, are you challenging an establishment? Do you think? No, I don't, I don't think so. We're um, we're trying to make sense of what's coming in health. At the moment, people might watch the news and see flashes of um, you know, ran random glimpses into what's happening. They'll see this new um, you know, mechanical arm. They'll see this um, uh, brain scanner one day, and then the next day they'll see something, a new drug's reached some stage. We, we, we're trying to structure that so that instead of just seeing flashes of insight, you can find an innovation that you're interested in and follow it. So it becomes a more coherent and more complete story, perhaps. Yeah, a story for every innovation. And yeah. You can, you can now, Coco has brought in a bunch of props, and we're going, I'm really looking forward to having right. a look at those. But while when she gets those out, and um, we'll, we'll play a track as well, um, give me just a, a sense of, of the, what Health Horizon is, how it works, how would I interact with it if I was, say, a, a health innovator or I was a consumer or maybe I'm a venture capitalist and I'm thinking there's some money to be made here out of the clever ideas that people have. So well, the, um, the consumer side's the easiest and, and most interesting, I think. The idea is you could see one of those typical stories on the news where they say, this cool thing that could help you or a loved one might be available in 10 years and then usually it disappears into the ether and you never hear about it again. So what I want instead is you could go to Health Horizon, you could search, you could say, show me everything that uh, might treat cancer. You can see everything being done around the world and then you follow them. And when you follow them, you receive notifications when it goes into trials and becomes available. So we want to see consumers being able to make sense uh, and grasp all the things on the pipeline. The other side of that is that the innovators themselves who have these innovations have a place to talk to consumers directly or to broadcast the progress they're making. And then um, they, they, the innovators themselves also need support. So that's where the investors or um, universities or networks come in. They, can, they need to track innovations as much as everyday consumers do and if they track them then they might be able to provide the support just, in just, just to go back to the consumers for a moment and we'll yeah. go on to the innovators and the investors next but uh, I'm imagining the sort of person who would really be interested in this is someone who's got a disease who's a little bit on the fringe so say oh, I've got a common cold I've got the flu whatever you know there's pretty standard treatment even even arthritis you know, mostly, for although there's always emerging new ideas there. But there's all these sorts of weird diseases and conditions that people have that, um, you know, there isn't much known about it. And so you're not getting a lot of help from the established medical community is what I'm getting at. Mm. And that seems to me like a, a, a sort of person who'd be particularly interested in something like Health Horizon. Yeah, it's totally possible to exhaust all your medical <laughs> options. And... When people do, they go to Google and then they search and they find these glimpses about different things that are available here and there. And um, it involves a lot of Googling over a long time to keep track of what's happening. So we think we can do that all in do that all in one place. Yeah. Well, I think when is it a danger when you go to Dr. Google that that you get goodness knows what? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something good trying to improve that. We have the focus though on things that are on the way, so that makes it slightly different. Yeah. Okay, so um, are you 
aggregating information and is it a source that I would trust so that I could go to say Dr Google and I'll come up with a homeopathy site and I'll end up taking water that is so diluted that there's no, no actual medication in this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do I know that uh, when, I, when I go to Health Horizon that I'm getting something that um, is well? It might be on the on the it might be an emerging um, technology or treatment, mm -hmm. but how do I know that it's something that I can trust? At the moment, we have a community of people who follow this space very closely, and they see everything that goes up and all the events that are occurring, and a lot of all the information we get comes through legitimate channels as well. So we have sort of trusted, knowledgeable people compiling all this from trusted sources. But then again, we are um, we consider ourselves the phrase is fourth party, but we, we 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 just sort of report on the progress being made. We don't evaluate any of these, and we don't we don't um, promote any of these. We we but don't do say you, any ability. Do you make the authority visible to the person who's looking? Yeah, we want to make it all accessible, and part of that would be making the evidence base for each one accessible as well. That, that's a bigger job that we're working on, but I'd like to, people to be able to not only see an innovation, understand it and follow it, but also see what kind of evidence there is that it works and what kind of evidence that it will do no harm. So, so Coco, the, um, medicine is not just a technical thing, is it? It's not just about all the, the, the weird things, the way the human body works. We're, we're treating humans, aren't we? And there's a social dimension to where you get your advice from. Is, is that core also to Health Horizon? Yep. So um, what we're trying to do is to build up a Health Horizon community, which is to get together a group of public people, uh, I mean, people from the public um, who have, you know, either domain expertise or really or are really interested in a particular area that they are looking at um, to tell us what health innovations, which can be, you know, a physical health thing, a mental health thing or a general well-being improvement innovation, let us know so that we can include it in our platform um, for the public so the public can know about it. And follow the progress. Is, is there an element of reinforcement through numbers that this thing has uh, a lot of people who are also interested? And you follow your what your peers do. Is that is that sort of part of it? Yeah. So we believe in people power because, as I said before, health is a thing that actually everyone should care about, and it's not only a doctor or professional thing. So. Um, if people like a innovation or follow a innovation on our platform or share it around with their family and loved ones, more people get to know about it. And with more people knowing about it, innovators will be more motivated because um, investors will be more interested in investing in it or know more about it. So it's just getting more eyeballs around the innovation to make it more likely to happen. I think we might take a quick music break here, a bit of Blondie on 2XX Fuzzy Logic, and I'm talking to uh, Dr. Matthew McCann and Coco Ho from the local startup company Health Horizon, putting you in touch with medical advances. Now, Coco here is clutching a hand, and it's a yellow hand. It's got bits of, looks like bits of string off the back, and... 
I'm not really sure what it is, Coco. Can you describe it? Yeah, so um, in our office, we have several different gadgets on our table um, just to make it interesting for um, whenever visitors come visit us and we're telling them what we're doing. Um, so what I'm holding is actually a 3D printed um, prosthetic hand. Um, so basically it is for young children, um, kids who can't move their fingers and this 3D printed hand um, is customized so that they can put it on, put the strap on, and all they need to do is to just move their wrist, and then they will be able to use their fingers effectively to hold items. Oh, can I can I have a closer look at this, Coco? So now Coco's now handed, uh, pardon the pun, and I'm shaking hands with this this thing, and it's made of a yellow plastic. It's yes, it's obviously so 3D printed, so it's cheap to produce. Yeah, that was uh, ninety dollars. Ninety dollars. Yeah. Okay, and it's got little threads off the back of it, so they're like tendons of some sort. And are they just to keep the thing retracted, or now if you if you bend it at the wrist, and it's got okay, so it's got a Velcro strap around it, and I, and I could put it on. Uh, it's probably it's a bit for children, so it's a bit small. A bit small for me. So okay, so I could strap it to my wrist. Yep. Have uh, lost their hand, but still have a wrist. Yep. Yep. Uh, it goes in there, and if you bend that at the wrist, you'll see that the fingers clutch automatically. As you, so if you imagine the, if you imagine the hand was in here, oh, where the hand you, you, you held think it's like folded this, up, yes. And then if you did this with your wrist, the hand would do that. Oh, so, so it pushes your fingers down as you bend your wrist. Yes, it clutches and oh, grabs. It's a clutching motion. Yes. Now so all you need to do is twi- to bend your wrist, and the fingers clutch. Ah, okay. And uh, you know, as, as far as medical devices go, $90 is extremely cheap. It so it's an extremely things. cheap prosthetic device and all I need to do is so strap it onto my wrist, I bend my hand and the fingers will fold up and so I can clutch something with it. Yes, in fact, this came from, this is open source, so anyone can download the design to this and print it, it's free. And there are actually, there are open source printable prosthetics, I think, for every part of the body, so you can actually put together a whole human out of these things. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah they're, they're, it's certainly part of the future. That's okay. Really simple, really cheap, and so w- what's the health horizon story with this device? Well, this one is a um, open source design in terms mm-hmm. of 3D printing. So there's a whole area of 3D printing prosthetics, and um, each each design has its own. Well, does, this, in, does, yeah. does this mean that um, if I had a child with, and I'll ask you in a moment what the condition is that would make them wear something like this, if I was interested in this, I was concerned about my child, I could go to Health Horizon and bingo, there's a 3D printed design for something and I can and I have access to it and I can find out about it. Is that That's right, if, especially if it's one that's still under development and not available yet. You can um, you can follow it. You can see its history, everything that's been done. Follow it, and then when it makes progress, you'll be sent an email. And when, once it's available, you'll get sent an email, and then you can you can follow up on it. But we 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 know that people who do find out about drugs or new innovations tend to Google it every three months or so to try and find out what progress has been made. And so we've just made that automatic. Yeah. Uh, now, what what sort of medical condition is this assisting with? Uh, that's just for someone who may have um, been born with a birth, birth defect or just lost their hand in an accident. So oh, so they, they just can't move their fingers for some reason? 
I've got no fingers. I've got no fingers. Okay. Now, now Matthew, you're on Twitter. There's a Health Horizon Twitter feed. So um, if you tell us what that handle is, then anybody can send us a question during the remainder of the program. Yes, you can send the question to at Health Horizon. That's us. Okay. And to me, at Matt McGann with one T as well. Okay. So if you send us your question while we're on air, then we'll see what we can do to answer that. Now, another device, and uh, Matthew's clutching a small silicon rubber cube. It's a really quaint little device. <laughs> what is it, Coco? Yes, so this is the latest innovation um, by a Canberran um, called Alex O'Hara. Um, if you are on air, hello. Um, so Alex basically came up with this idea um, a while ago when she saw a little kid just on the street, eating an apple from the floor. So, you know, eating an apple, the apple fall on the floor, and then she just picked it up and eat it. So from there, she just got an inspiration to say, uh, you know, that's actually not the best way for kids to eat, like, you know, picking up dirty food from the ground and eating And a fork is, is actually, we take it for granted as adults, but it's actually exactly. a, a, a quite a complicated device to use. Yeah. Um, definitely. And yeah, just this little inspiration and she comes up with this product called the Match Blocks. So um, as um, as we mentioned before, it is like a little silicon blocks with a slit on top. So it is um, designed for young children who have fussy eating problem. Um, so what um, parents can do is to put mushy food in the slit of the box and then kids can eat while playing um, with their food, um, so they can just squeeze food into their mouth um, while not making a lot of mess, and which is a good thing for both parents and for the kids. Oh, so it, it's a s- soft uh, silicon rubber squishable box, and it's got a slit in the top that looks like a pair of lips. When you squeeze, it makes kissy lips. Um, but it gives the little kids control over their own eating. In, in they don't have to operate a, a fork, mm-hmm. and they can just poke. Now, how did this one come to Health Horizon? Uh, we met Alex in, in many of the, the innovation events that are held at the Canberra Innovation Network down on Moore Street. So the, there are, um, we have a few Canberran innovations that way, just through word of mouth. Um, and uh, one of the reasons Alex came to our attention is because, and for, for a scientific reason, uh, she has a scientific hypothesis that this will improve the eating habits of young kids. She believes that when kids are young and they're being spoon-fed, they don't really have control over their own appetite. And maybe if there's a slight challenge to accessing the food... Also, oh, it's a bit of an element of fun as well. Right, yeah. More interesting. Uh, less less arguments around the table. And maybe if they can control their own dosage or portions, they um, might develop better eating habits. So she's actually testing this with research, um, partner, partnership with the University of Canberra. So that those events, and when that research project begins and has findings and finishes, they're the kind of things you can learn about if you follow them. And It's a very tactile device, but I like the fact that you say she's backing this up with some science, so she's actually, there's actually controlled studies being run to show that this improves the outcomes for a, 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 a child eating. That's right, yeah. So we, we, um, we want to see more of that. More, more innovations thought up by uh, members of the public, pushed off the sc- um, skin of their back, what's that saying? <laughs> Sweat of their brow, and uh, yeah, backed up so by it is, it is what I've noticed about the two devices so far. This little cube, it, it could hardly be simpler. 
We're, we're noticing a, a it's very low tech, mm. uh, and that could be constructed for I don't know, not much. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to guess how many dollars, but probably not that much. <laughs> but this, uh, before we go to the next device, because yeah. uh, M- Matthew's now clutching an- another device uh, here on Fuzzy Logic, and just a reminder, we are talking to Health Horizon, Dr. Matthew McCann, and Coco Ho. Now the. Canberra Innovation Network. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What what is it? So because you're tapped into this, and there are other people in Canberra and an ecosystem, as it were, of other innovators. What's happening? So um, I will try my very best to explain what the Canberra Innovation Network is. So it started around two years ago uh, as a non not for profit organisation. So there's government funding, a lot of university support as well. So the idea is to bring the whole innovation ecosystem in one place. So you get um, a lot of support if you have an idea or if you have a problem in mind that you want to solve. You have people to go to and talk about it and see whether there's potential to make it a reality or make it a business. So it's putting you with like-minded people, people who are also innovating and facing the sort of problems that you will face when you are innovating. How difficult is it? I mean, how hard is it? So you you came up with the idea, or Matthew and is it Marcus? Marcus, what's Marcus door? Marcus door came up with the idea of Health Horizon. Is it is it a challenge? Is it is it hard work to to, to get an innovation up and running? Oh yeah, yeah. And it's um, in many ways it's becoming easier because there are so many tools you can find online and and. Um, you can pay everything on subscriptions, so your upfront costs are very low, and you can put all your software onto the cloud, which makes that easier as well. But it's also much harder uh, in many ways because so many more people are doing it. So there's a lot of competition, as it were. Yeah, and, that, and that's about starting a company like Health Horizon. Um, the innovations, health innovations, they um, th- that's becoming more and more complicated. In the past, everything was either a drug or a device, and everything was very simple. But more and more as the decades have gone on people have discovered they can improve health in many other ways um, governments are now sort of trying to do um, you know trying to do um, well it, it's something you understand intimately so you're innovators helping other innovators aren't you yes yeah exactly yeah and and a lot of innovators have contacted us um, glad that we are somehow sharing their, their journey in a way. So we can understand some of the troubles they're going understand through. Understand the mindset. Because we are a startup yeah, as well. Yeah. Now, the, there's a transition. When, when an idea goes from, say, a lab, now I don't think these things went from, came from high-tech labs, but a lot of the things that you are dealing with are from high-tech labs, where there's a lot of really hard scientific work in the back rooms. And there's a, there's a change in mindset that goes on when you're going to innovate. When you, you make the transition from creativity, uh, sharing ideas, uh, just seeing it, trying, seeing if it works, and then all of a sudden you jump into the domain of commercialization. Very different set of forces acting upon you. Do you want to flesh that out a bit for us? Yeah, well, there's actually a choice. Uh, once, let's say, yeah, you've, you've made your discovery and... and um, they can come from anyone, like researchers, but also clinicians, doctors, nurses, that kind of thing. Uh, it might have IP, it might not have IP, but there's a, usually a choice. It's either do I um, try to get it out commercially or do I want to do it 
non-commercially, and they're both they're both valid. Um, commercial can be very useful because um, it can fund itself, obviously, and it funds itself and it funds you as well. And it funds you, yeah. And then there's the nothing wrong with making a bit of income out of this. No, and, and they all, tend to we be all need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, there's there's um, uh, in problems in the whole industry. Um, especially in America with a lot of uh, pharmacies and that kind of thing. But um, when it comes to these early stage innovations, they uh, often make a choice which way they want to go about it. And really the, the reason Marcus started thinking of this problem was because he was on the board of a company that is like a commercialization office for hospitals. And doctors would come to them with the idea and say, oh, you know, I've discovered that if I make this change to my care, then I get better outcomes. Where, what do I do next? What's the next step? And that's that's still it's a different a, skill set. It's a different skill set, isn't it? So often they they pair up with a um, group that specialises well, in Often the person who who is the innovator isn't necessarily good with money. That can happen too. Yeah, especially uh, in universities, there's a there's a dedicated commercialisation office usually that takes it on, and then they're kind of like a, a now, team. How difficult did you find it to to fund your own enterprise? Uh, we've been lucky. Marcus has a history of starting businesses in the past, and he's quite well connected. In so Canada. he's well established. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that that's been really good. And um, he's he's now in Hong Kong, and he's going to go to Singapore very soon. And he's um, been able to do the the whole fundraising thing. Uh, yeah, that's been really useful. So you, you you've tapped into an authority or someone with a reputation. Yeah, yeah. And someone with a, a, a an established track record. And in, in, in a way, you're using the power of the network because you're connecting to a person who can help you and you can help them. And this is the same sort of ecosystem, isn't it, that, that, that Health Horizon is really about because you're putting people in touch, consumers in touch, innovators in touch, mm -hmm. and investors in touch as well, and health practitioners. That's right. We, if we think if we... Uh, make innovations accessible at the level of consumers, then all those other groups will be able to understand, and it's it's a common democratic playing field. To so you're like a hub. That's right. Yeah. A hub. And okay. Now we have another device which is sitting on the table here. It looks like one of those little music player things. Do you want yeah. to hold up to the microphone and play us whatever tune it does? <laughs> it is exactly a music box. They play better when they're. Oh, on. you need to sit it on a piece of wood. Yeah. It's uh, what a wonderful world. But uh, the reason I brought it is because it represents another innovation on our platform, which was discovered um, being developed at MIT. It's effectively a low-cost chemistry set that they, I think, has applications in health. But when you have a music box, you usually have a little drum with yes. dots. It's a standard little music box that you can buy in the, in the novelty shop, yes. Yep, and the drum rotates and the, the dots flick little yep, yep. metal And the little, the little tongs go ding, tong, tong. Yeah, mm -hmm. so what you actually have here is... Um, uh, a program, in a way, you have you have dots, ones and zeros, yes. and when you rotate this, it's so every time a little knob goes over the tongue, it makes it makes the noise. Yeah. So what these people at MIT realized is that you could use this to uh, mix chemicals in very small amounts. So let's say every instead of every note, you have a different chemical, and then um, your drum with the notches on it is basically the program. Add this much of this chemical, then this much, then this much at these times. Then you don't need a complicated chemical laboratory, you can just bring it out and uh, manually rotate it and it will mix 
chemicals in and the plays you music at the same time. You could do, yeah. You can add that to it. So um, this this is obviously meant for the developing world. It's something that you could put together, and they can do little chemistry experiments or mix their own drugs or whatever it might be using a little mechanical thing like this. Um, there's we've also found a so that that costs the developed one that they made was five dollars, and uh, there's one related to it from the same lab that is a centrifuge which uh, spins blood to separate it out so you can do tests. Yeah. You usually need a machine which can cost like ten thousand dollars. The the good ones, um, they've developed a paper centrifuge which costs fifty cents and it works basically like a toy. It's like a, a wound string with like a cardboard cylinder. We meant to make one. We should have made one and brought it along. And then you, you pull it, and as you pull it, it spins really quickly, and it can turn 10,000 revolutions a second, and it can separate blood. Well, how, how about that? So one of the most exciting trends we've observed by tracking the world's health innovations is that more and more of them are low-tech, robust solutions, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yes, that that would be key, wouldn't it? Um, because we we tend to assume a high technology, wealthy society that we live in. It reminds me of an interview we did on Fuzzy Logic a few years ago. And there's a local company you may know about them. It's uh, international aid type people. Incredibly simple, and it's a water filter. I can't remember that. Something rather water, infinite um, water. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I know. Yeah. And basically, what they do is they get uh, clay, and they mix it with something like coffee grounds, and then they they put it in a kiln and make a little pot out of it. And the coffee grounds burn out of it, and it leaves a porous container. And bingo, you've got a water filter. And so what they do is they take it to villages. I think Timor is one place they go, and uh, Cambodia maybe. I'm not sure. And then they show the locals how to make it themselves. Well, yeah. you've yeah. now got a drinkable supply. It's one of the big problems <laughs> facing humanity is clean water. Yeah, and the, I think there's an assumption that everything new in health needs to be complicated, high-tech and expensive. Yeah. So in the, in the past, I mean, not in the past, right now, it can cost anywhere between half a billion to two billion dollars to get a drug from the lab onto a shelf. And drugs often only improve things by a few percent or however it might be, or have a low likelihood of success. Now, um, you can download an app, which might cost you $2, and it might happen to work for you. It might motivate you to double your exercise and remove your risk of heart disease. So what's that return on investment look like now? You've got $2 billion for a drug or $2 for an app, and the world's starting to really listen to that. And we are here on Fuzzy Logic and we are looking at ways to help you help yourself with health. And maybe you have an idea for how health, uh, an innovation that can help you. Our guest, uh, Coco Ho and Dr. Matthew McKay. And now, Coco, your favourite innovation, your favourite health horizon idea, well, maybe not your favourite, but tell me about one that you like in particular. One of the ones that I like the most is called Liftware. So it is a innovation that comes out um, from an innovator with a very personal need for his mom. So his mom has Parkinson's disease, um, and as many of you would understand, that um, people with Parkinson's disease can't um, have uncontrolled tremor um, in their hands, and that's why eating is not um, the most pleasant thing for them because it's really hard to put 
um, food into your mouth properly. So, 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 so to interrupt you, I'm just imagining a person with Parkinson's, right, a really difficult disease, and then the hand is shaking and you've got a spoon and there's a bowl of hot soup and somehow you have to navigate that little bit of soup into your mouth without burning yourself and then hopefully enjoying the meal. Am I... Yep, and yes. that's exactly the problem that the innovator wants to solve. Um, being a software engineer or um, whatever that innovator is, um, he came up with the idea of a spoon that can solve that problem. So what it does is do um, the spoon itself will can understand the orientation um, of the hand of the person who has tremors so that it can just stop that um, tremor loop um, to help them use the spoon properly, so that the so their hands are still shaking, but then the head of the spoon won't shake when they're putting food into their mouth. Um, yes, yeah, so that's a innovation, a great innovation, in fact, to help um, people who have hands tremor um, to enjoy the meals properly, which so is a basic human need. So you had a person solving a problem, got an idea, and you've got to find somebody to help you make it actually happen and then put in touch with people who can actually use it, and that's the power of the network that we were talking about, right? Yeah, and in this case, the person who, whose mother had Parkinson's and, and who discovered it even before it was available was Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google. And so what he did is he uh, saw it, saw that it wasn't making as much progress as it should. Like, it's an amazing idea. Surely it should be moving quicker than this. So um, as part of the Google X group, um, bought that company, and now you can buy that spoon for $270. Now I'm wondering whether any of our fuzzy listeners uh, snore. Come on now, fess up. Fess up. Do you snore? What are you going to do about it? Or maybe uh, somebody like Health Horizon has a way to help you find a solution. Well, yeah, I had a friend of ours, um, when I was talking about the platform and what we do, she said, oh, um, I'd be really interested to know if there's anything out there for snoring. And it might sound... Um, a bit, yeah, not, not, not all that important, but awake. well, exactly, yeah, and, and disturbed and sleep can have quite bad health effects, and yeah, yeah, and, sleep and often, apnea, if it, which yes, yep, if, if it's bad enough, so snoring can also be a symptom of, of something too, and so we spent some time on that and found something like forty things to improve snoring, from so devices just, that go into the nose to implants that go into the brain to um, to things that actually. Um, <clears throat> changes the shape of the bed mechanically to help you to stop you snoring like, there's so many different ideas out there all, all going about it in their own way so just just to be clear now what health horizon did in this situation was you, you saw a need somebody expressed a need and then you had a look out there to see what was available and then you brought them into health horizon is that right yeah exactly and we we you know there's, there's just so many out there where um we're tracking them Sort of as, as fast as we can, but it helps if there are people out there who get what we're doing and either have a health interest that they're, they're scanning to try and find what's available or are an expert in the field and want to keep up to date with what's happening. Um, we have a community that we're, we're growing, people who can come, chat to us online, send us suggestions, send us innovations to track or even ask for something well, like... Okay, so here I wake up and then after a good night's sleep, having not had a good night's sleep, I'm tired because I'm snoring. My partner kicks me in the ribs all night. I have a sleep apnea, and the doctor says sleep apnea is actually very, quite a dangerous 
condition linked to high blood pressure and so on, mm. are going, well, what am I going to do about it? There's those CPAP things, those pressure masks and yes. so on, but what else is there? So then I go on to Health Horizon and I say I register an interest and maybe there's an emerging technology or a technique that will come out. And one you showed me a couple of days ago was related to a mobile phone. Quite simple. What was that one? It was a little buzzer thing. Uh, I don't remember. Was it, was it like a test? Yeah. It, it gave you a nudge when you started to snore because... Yeah, that's actually definitely one of those. So um, other than, you know, um, little devices that you can stick up on your nose to help you stop snoring or, or the um, the changing bed shape thing that Matt just talked about. Yeah, one of those is definitely an app um, that will tell you when you are snoring or it detects that you are doing, yeah, you are snoring. And then it will just give you a little nudge and wake you up so that you will just... Yeah, and so you, you're rolling on your back with your mouth wide open, pumping out the loud roar, yeah. <laughs> and this thing rattles a little bit, and subconsciously in your sleep you go, oh, I must be snoring, and I'll just roll over, uh, which is probably more friendly than a kick in the ribs. Yep, and more friendly <laughs> than having that big mask around you, which is pretty scary, I have to say. Now, now Health Horizon has uh, international connections as well. I think, were you saying that this little uh, playing... Um, this mixing device that you've got on the desk here that was uh, from MIT or overseas? Yeah, MIT is working on that, yeah. And, and so how have you found the international connections? Is that a, a major part of what you're doing? Yeah, so we're working with large health networks that um, span countries, continents or the globe. Um, they're interested in finding the innovations that are within their professional networks and we can do that at, at a higher level. And we have um, ambassadors, we call them, who are people in various cities around the world who keep their finger on the pulse of what's coming out of that city and can suggest those innovations to us and we start tracking them. Um, two of the biggest cities in health innovation in the world are uh, Berlin and Tel Aviv in Israel. And we're actually going to Tel Aviv later this year. We'll spend two months there as part of the Australian government's landing pad and we can, um, we'll be tracking every innovation coming out of. Now, how long has Health Horizon been running? We, uh, the first time I met Marcus, uh, we started talking about the idea. It was at uh, Gus's Cafe in uh, 20, August 2013, and we founded the company in February 2014. So we've been going since then. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, uh, and, and how would you describe it since then? Uh, I've, startups are well des, um, described by the phrase uh, the highest of highs and lowest of lows so things can get really tough and, and very extremely stressful but when things work it's it's amazing it's it's yeah I, I'm, I don't think I can go back to a normal job now and, and you get enough of those bullyard moments where where you just see something works and you think yes this is working and then you have those other days yeah. Well, tell, tell me about a booyah moment, and, and if you feel so inclined, maybe you tell me about one of the inverse booyah, which is what a yah boo, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've spoken to uh, large groups who want to track the innovations going on, and then they'll say something like, why don't you send us a proposal, and then we have a booyah party, some, a couple of drinks on Friday, and then uh, send through the proposal, and then they say no. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of thing happens. <laughs> so that's, that's an up and a down, and you, you keep riding those waves. 
but um, you know, through the years, I've really noticed the kind of progress we've been able to make. So you know, Coco's put together the community and the um, the the DAD system that's pulling in a lot of these innovations, and we're just seeing that get more and more automated, and it's been very gratifying to to watch that. And uh, you know, as, as more and more people come on board and start to follow the innovations that matter to them, I think we are really trying to do. We're satisfying a real need here, and you just got to remember that and work hard at that. Yes, always always keep the big the big picture in mind. So in, in a way, what you're doing is you've you've got all these moving parts assembled in the lab, and you're you're zapping it with electricity and boosting it into life. When when will you know that it's actually working? Here? Yeah, well, the usual um, the, the, um, common way for startups to grow at the moment is uh, to get some large amount of funding. That's when they kind of kick off. That's used as a proxy for you're onto something. And so we're very close to that stage. Um, personally, um, I don't know, maybe I'll start feeling a little more confident when um, I don't know, I think I'll, I'll know. I'll, I'll just feel it one day. I'll feel. Hang on, this is actually humming now. There's there's a lot of yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, it's and sort of like a it's a, a critical mass thing, isn't it? Yeah. That it yeah. will get to a moment, and just suddenly it will take off, and then you look back three or four years ago and you think, why did I ever have any doubts this would work? Yeah, I've heard I've heard an interview with the makers, uh, founders of Twitch, the video game streaming company. And they described their many years trying to get up to what they were doing. They were they were running uphill like it was Sisyphus. It was like just constant work. And then the way they described it, once once they hit critical mass, it was like running downhill. They barely had to do anything, and then it was just clear sailing. So that, that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. How how have you found getting um, the attention that you want that, that you need to make it happen? Well, we've only really just started that, so um, we've we've really wanted to make an excellent product that works really well and is easy to use. Oh, so you're and that's been our the idea first. Is that yeah, yeah, and th this is actually um, us starting out to to get out there and um, uh, let the world know about it. Yeah. And now, and now you're ready to to unleash it, as it as it were. Yeah, that's right. What what sort of uh, reception are you getting, or is it too early to say? It's it's. Too early to say because we haven't done much media, but we've, we're growing a community and people who are coming on and suggesting innovations and where we have uh, 50 innovations going on, make, becoming public every week, which is a, a good rate. We think there are about 40,000 in the world, and uh, I think we can definitely get all of those in the next couple of years. Okay, so if I'm now a, an innovator or I'm a consumer or maybe a health practitioner or, or, or a... A venture capitalists, we like venture capitalists if they're willing to, to uh, help with the money. Uh, what would I do? So if you're a member of the public who has a um, health interest, wants to see what's coming, or resonated with that problem of seeing, hearing about an innovation or something cool that's coming and then never hearing about it again, um, please contact us uh, at contact us at thehealthhorizon.com, that email address. Uh, no space between contact and us, and uh, we would love for you to be a part of the community. We're just a group of locals who have a health interest and want to see what's coming, and you can talk to us 
suggest how we can improve the platform. You can tell us what you want out of it. We can um, build it to suit you, and we'll we'll learn from that, and it'll help the world really be able to track the innovations. Okay, so head head to the website. Uh, probably a good good starting point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is www.thehealthhorizon.com. Um, the in the URL. Yep, the thehealthhorizon.com. Um, yeah, sign up, have a little browse of our platform, and yeah, tell us what you think. All right, now uh, Fuzzy Logic has a companion. Uh, Publication in the Fairfax Media, we run a, C, a weekly science column, which uh, regular fuzzy listeners will know. And a couple of weeks ago, we ran a column on uh, ants, the jack jumper variety, and about their venom. And from my local expert, and I'm angling to get that onto the ABC. We'll see how we go. But why, why is the venom dangerous? And I got a reader question about, uh, oh, this person here's a health thing. They got uh, stung by something some time ago, and it seems to prime you to a um, anaphylactic shock, you know, to a uh, a response later on. And he said, "Well, I got stung by one uh, a bee or something. Later, got stung by an ant. Why have I reacted?" Uh, today, I've uh, my, I wrote today's column, which was lots of fun, and the reader asked me, uh, "Why don't I ever see dead birds lying around?" I thought, well, that's a fairly easy question because birds are small and they get carried away and uh, eaten pretty quickly. But then I had a bit of a musing over what it means to be dead and do other animals notice when one is dead? (laughs) So that was a a bit of fun. And uh, one which is coming up for next week, promised to me by an expert uh, we had at the Pint of Science recently, and she describes how animals and plants transport across oceans Mm. Little ships made of kelp, little right. ships, and these uh, uh, mollusks and crabs and things hitch a ride on the kelp and they float across oceans. And uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Right. And another one uh, in the pipeline, I forget. I've gone completely blank. But anyway, <laughs> that's probably good timing because it's now time to say a thank you to my two guests today, Coco Ho, thank you. Thank you. And Matthew McCann. Innovating Thanks, with Earth. Health Horizon, lots of fun and good work and great to see innovation here in Canberra. Catch you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.